Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Hello, welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Today is April the 24th. We have been working our way through a study called the Word of God, and we've been using Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12 as our text. For the Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder of spirit and soul and joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is central to our Christian faith. I would even submit to you that our faith stands or falls upon the Word of God. <clears throat> and in studying this subject, we said we first had to discuss the issue of revelation. Uh, and revelation consists of what we call general revelation, which is through nature, <clears throat> through history, through conscience. And then we have special revelation, <clears throat> which is to do with the manifestation of Christ in the flesh, where God did a special revelation of himself to man. And then we moved on to the issue of inspiration. And we dealt with um, <clears throat> the various views of inspiration, and we started to look at some proofs of inspiration. Um, let's see, we talked about the Bible itself says it's inspired. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So the Bible itself speaks to its own inspiration. And then we talked about the indestructibility of the Bible. Uh, all throughout history, there have been people that have tried to erase the word of God. We spoke of the Roman emperor Diocletian, who made a decree that all Bibles should be destroyed in 303 AD. His reasoning was that they were people of the book. So if we can destroy the book, then we can destroy the people. Of course, 25 years later, Constantine rose to the throne. And the very one of the first things Constantine did was commission 50 copies of the Bible to be prepared at the government expense. So, so much for separation of government and state. So, <laughs> our state and church. Um, <clears throat> and then we also looked at the transmission. Another proof as to the inspiration of the Bible is the way it has been um, that has, has been passed down through the centuries, through the copying of the autographs into then into our hands today, and God has preserved His Word for us. In 1947, the Dead Seas were were discovered and revealed that the scriptures that we hold in our hands today are incredibly accurate when compared to the oldest known copies. And then we also, today, we're going to pick up on fulfilled prophecy. Uh, we're going to try some scientific accuracy, some historical accuracy, and maybe transform lives. We'll see how far we get. But the fourth uh, way that we know that the Word of God is inspired is fulfilled prophecy. The Bible is a book of prophecy. It is the only religious book in the world that is a book of prophecy. And the purpose of prophecy is not only to establish the authenticity of the prophet, but also to establish the authenticity of the prophecy itself. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes so far as to place the death penalty on anyone 
who would speak on behalf of God and not really speaking on behalf of God. Uh, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, we can look at this real quick. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. Let me pull that up for you. Deuteronomy 18, verse number 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak. In other words, he's not really hearing from the Lord. He's just presuming a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word of the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. So, prophecy. God holds it in such high esteem that if anyone went out and spoke on behalf of themselves or behalf of another God, that person was to be put to death. Well, we don't use that today. If we did, I, I think there'd be a lot less people running around claiming to be prophets. Uh, it is estimated that there are at least 456 prophecies in the Bible that refer to the Messiah alone. This is Jesus Christ. Of these, there are at least 109 of them that were fulfilled at his first advent when he first came. 109 out of the 456 prophecies were fulfilled. That means all the rest of them are still yet to be fulfilled. Um, some of these would include his virgin birth. <clears throat> In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter number, let's look over there real quick. Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse number 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us, fulfilled at his first coming, that he would be born of a virgin. Mary was a virgin. She had never been with a man. Now we know that later her and Joseph did have children. They're listed. Uh, but she was a virgin up until after the birth of Christ. And then the Bible even speaks of the birthplace of the Christ. In Micah chapter 5, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler of Israel. And then notice, whose goings forth have been from old, saying he didn't start by being born a babe in a manger. He's always been. Matter of fact, he is from everlasting. That means beyond the vanishing point. He's always been. Look back as far as you can look, and he's further beyond that. He's the second person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He has always been. So Micah talks of the birthplace. John the Baptist, uh, it was foretold in the book of Isaiah that one would come before him preparing his way. In Isaiah, let's see if we can find that real quick. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
<clears throat> and of course we know when John the Baptist came, what did he come exclaiming? Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the desert highway for our God. Notice he calls Christ God. And he said, every valley will be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places made plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So it was prophesied that one would come before him saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And we know that that was John the Baptist. Also, we are told in the Bible, and we spoke about this on Palm Sunday, we are told about his triumphal entry into Jerusalem in Zechariah chapter number 9. Zechariah 9 and verse number 9, Rejoice greatly, all daughter, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Zechariah prophesied that the Lord would come triumphantly into Jerusalem riding upon a donkey. Um, it was fulfilled at his first coming. And the list just goes on and on and on. And I, I'm also reminded of Psalm chapter number 22. <clears throat> this whole Psalm uh, was fulfilled as Christ Hung on the cross when he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me in the words of my roaring? Psalm 22. Everything in this psalm happened as he hung on the cross. See, they laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip and they shake their head saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. Seeing that he delighted in him. And he says, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. The dogs have, have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They can see all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They part, their, they part my garments by casting lots. And all of that happened on the cross. So the Bible, a proof of its inspiration, is fulfilled prophecy uh, all throughout. And there's many, 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 many more that still need to be fulfilled. Only 109 were fulfilled in regards to, his, to, to the Messiah. 456 are actually prophesied in regards to the Messiah. There are many, many more that still have to happen. Using baseball terms, the Bible is batting a thousand. If the Bible says it, it's either happened, it is happening, or it will happen. And you can take that to the bank. Then also, another proof of the Bible's inspiration is its scientific accuracy. Again, the Bible is not a science book. However, when the Bible does speak on the areas of science, it is accurate. Uh, just a few of them. Uh, we can look here in Leviticus. <clears throat> Leviticus tells us in Leviticus 17 and verse 11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Without blood, there is no life. This is also why people leached 
because they felt if you were sick, then there was obviously something wrong with your blood. Um, but the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the Bible is accurate when it talks about that. In Psalm 8.8, 8, uh, let's look over there real quick in the book of Psalms. <clears throat> in Psalms 8 and verse number 8, the Bible actually says that there are paths and currents in the seas. The fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. Once sailors understood that, they knew how to go from the new world and back to the old world by simply following the paths of the seas, the currents of the seas. And then also in Isaiah, this one's interesting. Ever heard of the flat earth theory? For years, people believed that the earth was flat. Why? Because they didn't read the Bible. In Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse, let's see, verse number 22, it clearly says, It is he that setteth upon the circle of the earth. The Bible says that the earth is a sphere. And yet for how long? You know, men, when Christopher Columbus sailed to the New World, one of the greatest fears was once he went out beyond the horizon and his boat began to sink, he was actually going to fall off the edge of the earth. But we know that not to be true. Christopher knew that not to be true. So the earth is a sphere. It's not flat. Also, the Bible actually tells us that the earth is suspended in space. In Job, Job, um, let's see, Job chapter 26 and verse number 7. It says, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. So when the Bible speaks of scientific matters, the Bible is accurate. The earth was suspended in space. Also, in Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 5, it tells us that the stars are innumerable. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So for years, man thought, Well, I can just look up there and count the stars in the night sky. Yeah, until the uh, telescope was invented. Now we realize that we are in just one galaxy of many galaxies. We are in the Milky Way. The stars are innumerable. See, when the Bible speaks on science, then the Bible is correct. Also in, um, in Jonah chapter 2, verse number 6. You remember Jonah when he was thrown overboard? In Jonah chapter 2, verse number 6, it says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. And the earth with her bars was about me forever. In other words, there are mountains in the bottom of the sea. And we know that there are mountains in the bottom of the sea. I read one time that we know more about space than we do the bottom of the sea because we've never been there. We don't have the ability to go to the deepest parts of the ocean. There are creatures down there that we've never even seen. That'll scare you to death just thinking about it, won't it? So there's mountains and there's canyons in the sea. The Bible also says that there are springs, there are fountains in the sea. In Genesis chapter, num chapter number 7 
And verse number 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, in the same day were all the fountains of the deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. I've heard some knuckleheads say, well, there's not enough water on the earth to flood it as the, as the Genesis account is. Uh, there's not enough water to cover the tops of the mountains, the highest mountains, the Himalayas. There's not enough water on the earth to do that. So obviously it must have been a localized flood. No, there, were wa there are waters under our feet and there's waters under over our heads. As a matter of fact, prior to the flood, man lived to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because of the greenhouse effect. But once those, those windows of heaven were open, and that water began to fall, that UV protection that is, around, that is around man was diminished, and man began to live shorter and shorter lifespans. So there's springs and fountains. The Bible also speaks of the hydraulic cycle. Remember drawing the hydraulic cycle when you were a kid in school? Uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter number one, verse number six, the wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. So the Bible speaks of the hydraulic cycle. And then another thing the Bible is accurate about is in regards to the issue of matter. In Romans chapter number one, verse number 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. The invisible things are clearly seen. It's speaking of the issue of matter. And we could go on and on and on in regards to that. The Bible is accurate when it speaks on issues of science. Uh, the Bible is accurate when it speaks of prophecy. And the next time we will look at, the, at history and transformed lives. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining in again today. Remember that God loves you. He wants the best for you. And he's working all things out for your good. God bless you.